podcast. This is your host, Jared. And Jorge. How you guys doing today? Today we're talking about monetary inflation. This is part one of our inflation episodes. Next, we're going to talk uh, a little bit more about demand side inflation. But today, we just want to talk about monetary inflation. We're looking at the statistics these days, and inflation is high, 7% high. for 2022. This is significantly above the target of 2%. Uh, so to start us off, I have a quote from the uh, first episode of Ozark, which the new season came out yesterday. I already watched it. It's very good. Scratch, wampum, dough, sugar, clams, loot, bills, bones, bread, bucks, money. That which separates the haves from the have-nots. But what is money? It's everything if you don't have it, right? Half of all Americans have more credit card debt than savings. 25% have no savings at all. And only 15% of the population is on track to fund even one year of retirement. Suggesting what? The middle class is evaporating? Or the American dream is dead? You wouldn't be sitting there listening to me if the latter were true. You see, I think most people just have a fundamentally flawed view of money. Is it simply an agreed upon unit of exchange for goods and services? 370 for a gallon of milk? 30 bucks to cut your grass? Or is it an intangible? Security or happiness? Peace of mind? Let me propose a third option. Money as a measuring device. You see, the hard reality is how much money we accumulate in life is not a function of who's president or the economy, or bubbles bursting, or bad breaks, or bosses. It's about the American work ethic, the one that made us the greatest country on earth. It's about bucking the media's opinion as to what constitute a good parent, deciding to miss the ball game, the play, the concert, because you've resolved to work and invest in your family's future, and taking responsibility for the consequences of those actions. Patience, frugality, sacrifice. When you boil it out all down, what do those three things have in common? Those are choices. Money is not peace of mind. Money is not happiness. Money is, at its essence, the measure of a man's choices. Super, super interesting and cool perspective of money. Check out that series sometime. Uh, but to just kick us off in kind of a lighthearted uh, notion here, let's play a little inflation game. Let's do it. So 100 years ago... Approximately uh, 1922-ish. So how much was a sirloin steak? Uh, let me guess. $2? 38.8 cents per pound in 1921-ish. Oh, that's cheap. Inflation, that's adjusted. That's about a little under $6. And today you can buy a pound of sirloin steak for about $11 per pound. Probably depends on Whole Foods versus Aldi. Versus what city you live in. So that's the national average. Wedding dresses, $70 back in, tw uh, in the early 20s, which is about $1,000 today. Uh, however, I'll mention that white dresses became fashionable in the 20th century, kind of a colonial influenced uh, uh, fashion tradition. Before, it was just women just wore anything. You know, it was a different time. Just just any dress will work. Mm -hmm. Today it's you know it's it's edged up. It's over sixteen hundred, and I've heard people spend thousands on a, a wedding dress and they wear it one time. It blows my mind. 
this one is interesting. A beer at a bar. Uh, so back in uh, 19 or 20, 1920, uh, prohibition started. But mm-hmm. obviously, we understand the war on drugs. It's a failure. Uh, speakeasies exist, and there's no such thing as no market. There's only white markets and black markets and gray markets, really, if you think about it. So uh, speakeasies back in 2020, uh, tw- the early 2020s, uh, they sold a beer or a beverage, probably wasn't beer at that time, as uh, generally under an illegal system. <laughs> Drinks get stronger and stronger. It's called the potency effect in economics. Uh, but it was about $2 back then. So that's over $30 wow. today. Very expensive under the black market system. Also more dangerous. Uh, today, the average beer is $4.25. And the average cocktail is going to range you between you know, $4 or $5 in certain states up to 20 some in some of the more uh, metropolitan areas such as New York. Uh, another fun fact is they had one bit and two bit saloons in the 1870s. Uh, you could go to a one bit saloon and spend 12 and a half cents for a beer, a whiskey or a, or a cigar. Uh, and then you could pay a quarter and receive a short bit or a dime, which could then be used for the next drink. Uh, so they basically a two, one bit saloon was like a dive bar to, Two-bit saloon was a fancier bar. Uh, and bits, if you're curious, I don't know if you've heard the phrase shave and a haircut two bits, uh, but that is from uh, literally a bit was just a sliver of a coin because it, they used real currency back then, uh, real commodities uh, such as gold and silver. And the Democrats favored the silver, Republicans favored gold. Uh, but in essence, they would just shave uh, uh, shave it into bits and pay with a fraction of your uh, of your coin, which is, I mean, think of how different that is today. Most people just throw away their coins. Pretty soon, all the parking lots are going to be just full of carts. So the Model T was first produced in 1913, sold for about $575. They continued producing that model until 27. Uh, and due to mass production or what we would call economies of scale, the price of a Model T was reduced to $290. In 2020, the MSRP for a Ford Fiesta was $14,260, which is pretty close to the inflation-adjusted model, uh, model T price today. But obviously, we have, uh, through te- technological innovation, we have keyless entry, stereo, uh, seat belts, airbags, and uh, windshield wipers. I mean, I think they were optional back then, which is pretty surprising. Uh, so <laughs> this yields the question, like, what is inflation? What is money uh, by sector? You know, what, how, is everything increase in price? Does everything decrease in price in real terms? Obviously, in 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 uh, non-inflation adjusted terms, everything for the most part is getting more and more expensive. Uh, but correct, right? But we mm-hmm. look at some of the industries that are that have a lot of government intervention, subsidies through credit, or by uh, you know conflating the price mechanism so people really don't know how much they're spending. 
I remember in high school, they told me, doesn't matter what kind of college you go to, uh, because, you know, there's your family's expected contribution. Or if you're looking at hospitals, uh, you don't really know how much you're spending on surgeries because, you know, it's uh, it's kind of like going to the, I might have mentioned this before, but going to the grocery store and spending $500 to enter and then piling as much in your cart as possible. That's kind of how our, our healthcare system works in this country. It makes sense if you look at a graph of the price changes in the last 20 years. Hospital services are up over 200%. Uh, along with college tuition and fees. Uh, That's crazy. Really crazy. <laughs> but like the, the Model T example, you look at technological innovation and how that enables uh, very, in real terms, the, uh, the, the decrease of making uh, products more affordable, uh, such as televisions, uh, toys, computer software, uh, phones. So technological innovation has an ability to decrease the uh, the price in real terms. By real, I mean inflation adjusted uh, throughout time. While government intervention and the lack of uh, adapting to technological opportunity yields more expensive products there. So throughout time, uh, we have annual inflation. They'll talk about, okay, this year is two, 7%. Um, in the seventies, there was an average of 7% inflation, uh, right after Correct. the gold standard ended in 71 under Nixon, uh, replaced by the current system, which is a fiat system. Our money is really just based on an idea. It's an intangible. There's no gold backing it up, uh, really. And throughout time, the cumulative inflation, it adds up every year. So by the time between the, uh, 1970 and 1980, cumulative inflation was 103%. So you were basically spending twice as much on everything uh, in 1980 than you would in 1970. And if we look back to 1913, $100 back in 1913 is uh, over two, two and a half thousand today. That's impressive. That's a lot of money. Yeah, I wouldn't say impressive. I think it's, I mean, it's definitely yields the question, like, what's the purpose of this inflation? Um, and what is money? What is money? Yeah, so uh, in the words of Pink Floyd, they, like, money, so they say, is the root of all evil today. But if you ask for a raise, it's no surprise uh, that they are giving none away. So great Pink Floyd quote there. Uh, but you can really look at money in four different functions. The medium of exchange. So this is like an evolution of barter. So, if, you know, in back in the day, I have milk. You have, uh, uh, you have papyrus. We want to trade a little bit. You can trade that. Or my milk for your papyrus, but it's uh, it's a very simple way. You know, our milk doesn't last very long. Uh, there's a lot of issues with that. And in a modern context, I'm a logistics professional, so I can't really trade my logistics analysis for uh, home insurance that Jorge here would provide as a medium of exchange. So money uh, is serving as our medium of exchange.
It's correct. It's also a storage of value. Uh, so goods are not a good store storage of value. If I'm a shoemaker, my shoes might go out of style in two years. So I need to have some sort of I sell this the shoes this year, uh, and I know how much to produce. There's accounting principles there. Uh, perishable agricultural products like my milk example. It's not going to be good in a few years. So we need some sort of storage of value. Uh, modern currency really isn't a good example for this because, I mean, yes, it does still hold value, but it's not a good storage of value. So we're forced to find other storages of value, stocks, bonds, real estate, uh, other sorts of investments. And then it's a unit of account. So look at uh, the at, as money as price information for decision making. Uh, so when I went to Ecuador a few years ago, it was easy because uh, they used U.S. dollars. So I know exactly what everything costs. And it's essential to the concept of trade-offs and what we call opportunity cost in economics, that there's a cost of not making other choices. So it's Correct. optimizing our choices. Uh, should I buy a Bitcoin, a Tesla, real estate, uh, it's winter time. Should I buy a new coat for $50 or five swim trunks for $50? Probably the coat if I need one. Otherwise, I'll take the discount on the swim trunks uh, if I already have a coat. But it's a good understanding of, you know, what is what is money and how do I decide how to allocate my resources uh, from my personal budget as well as, you know, you scale that up to uh, companies and it's essential. And then deferred payment. That's the basis of our credit system, credit cards and loans. Uh, so here's a, here's a question for you. Which of these has never been used as money? Gold, silver, cowrie shells, cigarettes, cocoa beans, or bear fat? Dun, 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 dun. Let me guess. Bear fat? It's a trick question. All of them have been used as money. So in various times in history, uh, you need some sort of uh, intermediary of exchange uh, with the four functions I mentioned earlier. Really, anything can be used as money, whether commodities or legal tender, as we've used today. Uh, so next, uh, let's talk a little bit about monetary inflation. Um and dig a little bit deeper into what this is all about. What's going on? Okay, let's do it. All right. So one way to describe monetary inflation uh, is too many dollars following too uh, few goods and services. So if, if we think about the commodity of example, like the, the gold standard, uh, inflation uh, was discussed only as an increase in, in the supply of money. So let's say they they have a gold mine and they have uh, they found a bunch of gold out in California. Uh, all that gold is put into the system, and you can have a little bit of inflation because there's just more money. But really, there's no there's a limit to that. There's no opportunity to really print money like we do today, where we're uh, we're printing uh, trillions of dollars uh, over the last few years. And our monetary supply is, uh, is in essence, through 
government stimulus or spending and for the printing of money, uh, each dollar is going to be worth less, more dollars for the same amounts of goods and services. Uh, and because back in the past, the monetary units were fixed, people had a stable purchasing power. So when you, uh, th through, through time, uh, technological innovation, uh, and just uh, as the society becomes more and more wealthy, you actually have uh, more and more purchasing power because all of your wealth and your value uh, still exists or is increasing. But, uh, but your currency, uh, your monetary supply is the same. So savings is going to be more attractive. Uh, more people are putting money into the bank. You're going to get more return for saving. And then more savings translates to more investment and capital assets versus consumption. Uh, nowadays, it's completely different. Uh, there's a declining purchasing power. Uh, the Federal Reserve has a goal for 2% inflation. So they, they want inflation. Many economists, uh, they have a distaste for monetary deflation uh, because they believe that uh, sustained falls in prices uh, are evidence of bad times and it suppresses demand because people don't want to buy things if prices are falling. Uh, but the benefit of that and what we're missing out on is the poor and middle class uh, they don't have the same uh, monetary power, purchasing power, as they've had in the past. So that's why they, people want to continue to increase the minimum wage. But really, the problem is fundamental with our monetary system. Uh, so another criticism of this is that most economists, they love free trade, and they believe in, in market equilibrium and the concepts of supply and demand until they get to the monetary supply. Uh, once they get to the monetary supply, they want a, a, price, uh, a price system that's controlled by a central power, the government. Uh, think of the Keynesian or the Chicago schools. Uh, well, the Austrian school uh, believes the monetary system uh, really is just an exchange of goods and services based on whatever people want to exchange with. Uh, and I believe that as we move into the, the next stage of the global economy, the Austrian school of thought will reemerge because we have Bitcoin. We have all, the, we have, uh, uh, all these cryptocurrencies forming, Ethereum, uh, and a global economy. So we have no need for governments to set and establish how much legal tender should be. It's, uh, it's archaic. It's of the past, and it gives too much power for the government that already spends and has an incentive to keep a bubble forming when it's not responsible for the future. Why not just allow human action to set the price of our monetary supply? We could get into sticky prices and wages, but I think that's for another podcast as we go deeper. Uh, my main goal here is just to discuss how purchasing power is being uh, is regressive for the poor and the middle class as throughout time they have that $50,000 salary that you have doing X at the mill uh, will every single year uh, will become less and less valuable. I mean, 7% inflation this year, that means next year you'll have 7% less purchasing power 
as you had last year. So it's a significant uh, issue today. There's also something called the cost push barrier, which means that input costs of something, let's talk about like gas, for example, will result in higher prices of goods if they increase. So let's say gas increases to $5 a gallon. You'd think all the prices would increase, which is true in the short term. But if you think think, uh, of this issue from from an economic point of view, as an economist, the supply and demand of other products will decrease because you only have so much money to spend. So if you're spending more money on gas and oil, the uh, you're spending less money on alternative, not alternative, but other products. And so that the price level will fall as demand is falling, as that demand curve shifts. Uh, so basically in all this, the things that I want you to take away is that in the, the emergence of this global modern economy, digital currencies that remove the third parties of government, uh, of the Federal Reserve, uh, central bank, central banks, um, which we'll talk about in another episode. Uh, those are not necessary. What really the economy is, is human action. It's the, it's the exchange of goods and services. And the monetary supply is almost irrelevant if you allow people the freedom to engage in capitalism, the prices of goods and services, like my example about televisions and, f- and phones, the prices should fall. But we have not allowed this to happen because of our government influence in the monetary system as well as the stimulus. This is not a new concept. The Austrian school has talked about this for a long time. Uh, David Ricardo, a classical economist, uh, one of the founding uh, economists of the entire discipline, uh, also agreed that there's no problem uh, when the monetary supply remains constant. Uh, So as the goods and the services increase uh, and there's the same amount of currency, you actually have an incentive to save. You don't have an incentive to, to have all of this debt this debt-based economy, this economy where tomorrow, you know, you're not going to be able to buy as much. So you might as well spend it today, buy things on credit, don't save. That's a huge issue for this economy because it's based on the presupposition that we have a consumption-based economy when really economic growth is based on the idea of capital assets, of investing in the economy so that our production can increase, not based on consuming what we have today. If you break a window and you have to repair it, you're not actually going to contribute to economic growth. And in the same concept, uh, the reason why we have this middle class evaporation and the super low savings rate and nobody wants to save for retirement is because it's risky. And every year you're decreasing your purchasing power. So any economist that tells you, you know, just, you know, we need more and more inflation, I think they are misguided on the core concepts of economics and they are misapplying uh, what they believe from in the free market for everything else. Uh, They, for whatever reason, have some logical fallacy uh, 
when it comes to the monetary system. What I miss, Jorge? I don't think you miss anything. Uh, definitely the increasing monetary supply is being detrimental to the economy. We see in the inflation. I mean, in the market, pretty much all the tech companies are going down. Crypto has lost a lot of value this last week. Uh, definitely the Federal Reserve putting the rates so low has made money so cheap. And we had so much uh, supply of money that this really has been really losing value. The SPAC deals, pretty much a SPAC is just companies merging with another company to go to the public. All of them have gone down in value. So the economies right now, they call it correction to the market uh, for the pre-pandemic stimulus checks. Uh, sorry, pandemic stimulus checks that they were given to the people and also to companies. Uh, I do think that this whole increasing supply of money has not trickled down whatsoever. Uh, keeping the inflation that, sorry, keeping the rates that low is only going to keep the prices increasing for normal consumers' prices or normal goods as well. I think that eventually the Federal Reserve will hike the rates and we're going to see a very, very painful correction on pretty much uh, what is the free market, the stock market. Uh, prices probably will be stable in a few months from now. But as Jared mentioned, is we keep this consumption-based economy, which does not focus on value, but focus on prices, we're just going to have more and more less value and less assets for every every class of society, even if you're poor, rich, or middle. Uh, it's true that in the school, we thought just to go to school and think on the price later. That tends to be not true. We need to be more focused on what we really want to do. Like Javed said at the beginning, money is the representation of your choices. And you don't have to keep up with the Jones. You don't have to keep up with anybody to prove yourself you are not worth it or to prove yourself anything at all. I do think that you make your life out of your choices. So choice wisely. I think we're going to have more episodes about this inflationary part. We're going to talk about demand, supply, supply change. Uh, what is what is causing these inflations and prices too? More in depth. Uh, we're going to have more people in the future too. You know, a dollar safe is a dollar end, guys. Uh Jared, you want to close it up? You had something else to say? Yes, please uh, please stay tuned. Excited for our next episode uh, on inflation. Uh, we're going to explore what's inflation caused by, uh, in other terms, outside of the monetary system, as Jorge mentioned. Excited to get into the supply chain uh, issues. Uh, please help us by liking and rating our podcast. You know, conified, you know, we're just doing this in our free time. So if you if you like our content and you want us to keep building on it, uh, we're definitely we want to be here. But uh, please help us out by rating and subscribing to our podcast, uh, giving us five stars on Apple, Spotify, all of them. You know, you know, the spiel. Uh, you can also email us 
at econified at gmail.com for feedback or questions. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. So please reach out and join the Econified community. That's all for us, folks, and have a great rest of your day.